Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is December the 28th. It is the octave of the season of Christmas, and today on this December the 28th, we memorialize in our prayers and in our offering of Mass the Holy Innocents, the Martyrs. Uh, this is a rather tragic and uh, a, a really uh, terrible, horrific uh, memorial, but we have to remember that the Holy Innocents were those uh, babies that were killed by order of Herod uh, in an attempt to kill Jesus because Herod was afraid, as most people who have great power and who want more power, want absolute power, are always they always live in fear fear that someone will take it from them or that they will lose some of their power or people will no longer obey. Uh, the answer to the world, the answer from the world and the answer by those who sit in positions of great authority who lack humility and holiness and virtue is always fear and violence, destruction and death, ruthless extermination of any threat perceived or real, that uh, may threaten their influence and their control. And we see it in a horrific way with the actions of Herod. Our reading is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 18. And the Magi had left, and they had tricked Herod, uh, because Herod was looking to get rid of and kill uh, the newborn baby who was to be declared the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And this is something Herod could not, uh, could not tolerate at all. And so when he realizes that, uh, that Herod had been deceived, he immediately sets about a murderous plan. He ordered the massacre of all the boys two years old and under in Bethlehem and its environs, making his calculation on the basis of the date he had learned from the astrologers. But an angel had appeared, of course, to uh, St. Joseph and had uh, indicated to Joseph, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt there until I tell you otherwise. Herod is searching for the child to destroy him. Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and left that night for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Um, and, of course, uh, Matthew ends is uh, this particular part of the gospel passage uh, with the, the words of the prophet Jeremiah. He quotes Jeremiah in this uh, soulful and tragic and heartbreaking uh, lament. A cry was heard at Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation. Rachel bewailing her children, no comfort for her, since they are no more. And uh, this is exactly what happened uh, with the Holy Innocents. 
in response to the birth of Jesus. The innocents are killed, and again, that's always the world's response. Violence and death, destruction, murder. And yet we know that even today, the holy innocents are still with us. The loss of innumerable children, babies, in the womb and outside of the womb, children from abortion, from neglect, from starvation, from abuse. The tremendous and tragic loss of human life. If we take the example of abortion, since it became legal, it will never be moral. We ought not to confuse this idea that somehow if it's legal, it's moral. If it's legal, it's all right. I'm following the law. There are many corrupt laws. History is filled with it in the 20th century. Nazism and the extermination of Jews. It was all done through the legal process. Would anyone want to uh, relive Nuremberg? And that was the excuse. We were simply following orders. We were simply obeying the authorities. But earthly authorities are not the last and final word. All authority comes from Almighty God. And there are times in which we must disobey earthly laws, the laws of men. And we must obey that higher law, the supreme law, the ultimate law that comes from Almighty God. And God's most precious first gift to each and every person from the moment of conception to the point of natural death is the gift of life. And the reverencing of that life, all life. There is no such thing as a life not worthy of life. That ethic has, has sunk into our culture here in the United States. It has, it, it has become present. The culture of death in conflict with the civilization of life and love. That's the great struggle that faces us in the 21st century. In our country and around the world, the culture of death is very much with us. In abortion, in euthanasia, in the buying and selling of people, in, select, in sex trades, uh, trading human beings as commodities. The elderly, which are often discarded. Pope Francis talks about the throwaway culture. Uh, we treat life to a large extent today like we do a used uh, coffee cup from the McDonald's. Simply throw it in the trash. Human life is not trash, it's precious. Every single human being that is killed, that's a loss. That's a loss to the world. And it is completely contrary, completely contrary to the very will of God, the Lord and the giver of life. We do not have that power. We do not have that authority. We can use force, but that is corrupt. And it is a terrible offense against uh, Almighty God. And it also seriously wounds the culture that we're in. And not simply is it the end of life for those who are killed. It's also a terrible scar 
on those who engage in this kind of behavior. You can't simply kill and take life, especially over and over and over again, and not be affected in your own soul, in your own conscience, in your own dreams, in your own thoughts of what you are participating in. Uh, it, is, um, it is something that, um, that cries to the heavens, cries to the heavens. God does not sleep. But I would say this in, in reference to St. Pope John Paul II in his magnificent encyclical, The Gospel of Life, that women who have had abortions do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. It's not the unforgivable sin. God's mercy and God's forgiveness are present. The church, pro-life church, but it's not simply the life of those who are abused and killed. It's also pro-life for those who have committed these particular acts for whatever reason. And there are many reasons. But do not lose hope. Many, many women who have had abortions through the grace of Almighty God, they have become the great champions of life. Many of them speak out now on the decision that they made and offer counseling and advice and wise, wise words and comfort and direction to women who are contemplating abortion. And very often women who have had abortions are pressured by family, by spouses, by men, who see it as an easy out. Just erase it and forget about it. For women who have had abortion do not forget about it. It stays with them longer and more deeply than men because they are the ones who carry life. They are the ones in whom that first, first instance of life begins and grows and develops. It's not simply cosmetic surgery. It's not simply uh, a kind of uh, choice, if you want. It sounds so easy, it's just a choice. It's not a choice. It's a profound decision that deeply affects us in the very core of our being. And so we pray for women who are thinking of having abortion. For those who are involved in the abuse of children, trafficking in children, trafficking in life, selling body parts, please open yourself to the grace of Almighty God and be converted. Be a witness for life and not for death. For women who have had abortion, do not lose hope, do not give up. God's mercy is for you, most especially for you. God's healing is for you. God's presence is for you. If we are to be a truly pro-life ch church and pro-life society and truly proclaim the gospel of life, we must also reach out and offer that gospel of life, that healing, that hope to those who have had abortions. St. Pope John Paul in his encyclical Section twenty nine section ninety nine. 
of the gospel of life says to women who have had abortions, there will come a time in God's time when you will be able to speak to the child that you aborted and you will have that conversation and explain and hear and truly be healed and forgiven and accepted. In God's grace and in God's time, that is a real possibility, a real hope, a real grace. So whatever you do, do not lose heart. And for those who are thinking of having abortion as the only way out, seek a place that reverences life. And that place must do more than simply uh, offer words. It must provide the necessary services and resources for women, especially young women, really girls, adolescents, children themselves, who find themselves uh, with a pregnancy. Abortion is never the answer. Abortion is not the answer. The killing of life does not allow life to go on. It is, it is a deep scar, but it can be healed. It can be healed by the grace of God, and by a loving faith community, and by those who truly, truly want to be pro-life in all of its dimensions. There is a kind of hidden guilt among women and also men who have put pressure and who have offered this as an easy option. Well, I'll pay for it. Pay for it. That's not possible. You can put up money, but the payment, the payment is not in dollars and cents. You too need conversion and change of heart. You too can become pro-life the full sense of the term. So on this day, we, we think not simply of abortion, but of all the other abuses that take place for the innocent. For those who through no fault of their own, or no guilt, no sin, no violence on their part, they suffer, and ultimately they are killed. They are holy in God's eyes. They are part of the holy innocent martyr. And the world weeps with sobbing and loud lamentation. But it's not without hope. No comfort for her since they are no more. But while there may be no comfort immediately, there is the comfort that those who have died in such a way are beyond our reach now in terms of any more suffering and pain. They're in the hands of God. They are with Almighty God. And God wants us to be with them and with him. If only we turn, confess our sin, seek forgiveness, and then, then, become a champion of life ourselves. What a powerful witness. What a powerful voice you can be. So on this day, we pray that the covenant of life, that is at the very, very supreme gift of God, his own son, the Lord and giver of life, who suffered and died for us and rose that we might have life in abundance. That's the God we worship. That's the God who wants us to be with him, not only now, 
but for all eternity. So we pray for those who have indeed been killed, the holy innocents, the martyrs, who continue to be with us, not only in our own country, but around the world. Around the world, great tragic loss of life, of innocent life, in its many forms. But the Lord and the giver of life, the covenant of life, is stronger still. Still shines into the darkness of death and neglect and abuse. That life cannot, that light and that life cannot be overcome. So while we lament and pray, we are also filled with the spirit of hope. This is still God's creation and all therein. This is still the God of life who calls us to be for life, to reverence life, to live life every day in gratitude to Almighty God and in every day in service of life. And whatever we can do in that part of the world that we touch to reverence life, promote life, enhance life, to honor life, to celebrate life, and to nourish life in whatever way we can. There is no such thing as, uh, I can't do anything. I, I can't. You can always pray. You can always help in some way, shape, or form to advance the civilization of life and love. That's our great mission. That's our great task in proclaiming the gospel of life. So today, while we lament and while we sob for the holy innocence in the time of Jesus and down to the present day and throughout history, we also look for that Lord of life who is our true hope. And those who hope upon the Lord are never disappointed. Today, pray, and today witness to the good news that life is stronger than death.